We're in Luke, and we're in Luke 6. This is actually, we're in part 6 of a series that goes through the book of Luke, and uh, we're right now in the middle of Jesus' second sermon, and He preaches this incredible Sermon on the Mount that, that just has so much really, really great instruction and, and just recipes for living life to the full. And we're going to hit a couple of those today that really tie into each other well. And let me just read it here. Uh, in my Bible, the New International Version, it would be entitled The Tree and Its Fruit. And then the next section is The Wise and Foolish Builder. But here we go, verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. That's an often quoted parent verse right there, right? Well, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Oh, man. You know, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. I used to love late summers as a kid. We would make a trip down to Longview. I grew up in Rochester from the age of 4 to 15. Rochester, Washington is like this forested area southwest Olympia. It's in the middle of nowhere, basically. One light town. Blink, you miss it. It's kind of what it was like. And we, uh, in, our nearest neighbor was like a mile away. It was just really, really remote where we lived. Summer was consumed with strawberry picking or blueberry picking or baling hay for whatever income we could collectively raise as a family. We worked together to survive off the land. Oh, oh, oh. So I did my farm face. I've been there. Anderson's, come on. Anyway, so I was like, you know, I just sit here and go, this is, it was familiar. This is what I did. Like you got up early when the sun came up, you were working. When the sun went down, you were still sweaty from working. That's kind of the way you worked. And so that was the farming experience. And so we got some time to just go down. We would take a a day trip down to Longview. We would go to my grandma and grandpa's house. They had something that we just so looked forward to at the end of summer in their backyard. They had a yellow plum tree. Now, part of the trip that was exciting was the ride there. See, we had this van. It was like an A-team van, but yet only had two bucket seats in the front. And the back, we just sat on beanbags. That's safe, right? Could you do that today? No, you couldn't. But we would just chill back there. It was cool. It had two bar lights on the side, no windows. It was seriously ghetto. And we would drive it down there as a family, chilling in the beanbags. If ever we hit a traffic jam, we would slide to the bucket seat. 
and just kind of hit it, you know. And three of us boys back there, we would do like our wrestling matches on the way down. It was awesome. It was pretty fun. And then uh, we, would, we would get down there to Longview and we would first just, we would hug Grandma and Grandpa and run to the backyard to get these massive yellow plums that when you bit into them, it was like pink inside and they would just like bleed all over your clothes. Now as a parent with kids who just eat messy, I, I was talking to my mom and dad about this yesterday. I was like, you must have hated how dirty we got the moment we got there with all that sugary drip stuff everywhere on us. And they were laughing. And they're like, no, you guys were pretty good. This tree was sweet because it, it was like two purposes. It was actually a plum tree disguised as a swing set. It, like, it had this branch that just went out wide and had this tire swing on it. And we would just have so much fun on that tree. But really, we just looked forward to those yellow plums. It made some good fruit. That's what this passage is kind of looking at, right? Like, man, there's just some trees you know. When we went to Grandma's house, you knew you were going to get some good fruit because of the, the tree that was back there. It was a great tree. Swing, fruit. But, you know, you also know bad fruit. With that in mind, with that said, I actually want to look at the second part of this passage first. Because I think what we discover in the first part, really he's setting this up to understand the core of the issue in the second part. So let's look at the core of what is being taught here by Jesus in this wise and foolish builder section. It makes sense, right? One person's going to dig a foundation and it's going to last, and one person just builds it right on. We have fences, the, the tail of three fences in our backyard. We've got one fence that, you know, we paid a million dollars for on one side, and then we've got another wood fence we paid two million dollars for on the other side, depending on the neighbors, you know, what you could, the builder you could agree with. And uh, those two fences were dug nice foundations, but the fence on the back, the, I don't think there's any wood going below this little tiny bit of concrete. It's, it's all like leaning. Every time the wind blows, a new section leans out. You know, it's kind of that fence. And, and it's kind of this story. It's very evident. It makes sense. Foundation secure. No foundation. See, this passage saying the torrents are going to come. Floods happen. The question is, will you be shaken? Fires happen. Will you be shaken? Right? A question that is surely to come when you share your, your life with others, when you're just sharing Jesus, when, when, it, when Jesus overflows, when you, when, when you can't help but mention what your life is fulfilled through, your relationship with Jesus. The question will surely come, if there's a God, why do bad things happen to so many people? Why does evil exist? Why do bad things happen? God never promises a life free from problems or bad things. He just promises that He'll be the one there to comfort you through it, right? It's not always going to be mountaintops. He says He will walk you through the valley. He's going to be with us. 
He's going to help us find a solution to the problem. He doesn't say we're going to be free from disease or even death, but that we'll have hope on the other side of it. It's pretty interesting when you begin to dig into it. Life will test your faith. Will you be shaken? That's what's being talked about here. Like, how deep is the foundation of your faith? 1 John 2.17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Who does the will of God. Luke is sharing an an excerpt, right, from from the archive of this Sermon on the Mount, and, and he grabs it in a way that, that really gives us some steps we could take, not law that we have to keep, right? This instruction is just an example of if you do this, then you get this. It's just natural. And so, he's showing us some practices here that, that really will help us experience life to the full. And the equation that you can easily deduct from this is come plus here plus practice equals depth. That's what he says. If you come and you hear my word and you put it into practice, then you will have depth, a firm foundation. When the torrent comes, you will not be shaken. But if you only hear and you don't put it into practice, that's when your faith is not secure. You'll completely be destroyed whenever the flood comes, and it'll come. James 1, 22 says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The people in Luke's time and Paul's time, as he's writing the book of James there, were becoming puffed up with knowledge. They were learning and learning and learning and learning Scripture, but they weren't doing anything with it. In fact, they were those people who were like, you know, they, they took pride in, in their theological understanding and the big words that they've discovered, and they would share them. Yeah, well, I, you know, the theological uh, occurrences, of the prophetic instances in which the four horses clapped with the uh, lightning. You know, I don't know. They're just, whatever. It's like, I, I know there's something about horses in here. But anyway, it's like, they would just get really, like, puffed up. And, and they'd be the same people that you would share something like, you know, out of the overflow of your heart, like, your mouth speaks. And they'd go, do you know the address? You're like, what? What are you talking about? Do you know th- that would be uh, uh, Luke 6, 49. I know my Bible. I read it every day. You know, it's like, knowledge alone is empty. In fact, it would make people prideful. It would puff them up as a person because they weren't using it. They didn't understand, like, why it existed, and they're being corrected. They're saying, hey, 
you got to understand how to use the Word. You need to be in the Word because it's what gives you freedom. But you also have to put it into practice. If you're not using what you're learning, I think maybe we need to slow down. Oftentimes you can get a reading plan. I know I love uh, trying to keep up with the reading plan on version. If anybody follows me, they're like, that's funny. I think he skipped a day there. It's like, yeah, you caught me. Anyway, so I just like, you know, you try. To, I'm always playing catch up. I'm like a week behind right now. And I'm just going, you know, oh, I'm not going to catch. You know, there's this little thing on, on my Bible app that'll catch me up. I don't want to do that. I don't want to confess I had to catch me up, right? I want to just go to the calendar function, look back at the last day I read, and hit that one, you know, and try to play catch up. I'm always doing that. But, you know, it's because I go so stinking slow. I can't read it and not, like, put a note going, man, I want to do this, or I want to put this into practice. If we're reading just to puff ourselves up with more knowledge and be more aware of the content of Scripture, the Scripture's there to actually guide us to action. We've got to somehow figure out not how to grow in knowledge so we can debate the world through knowledge, but actually grow in our understanding of how to be present and how to practice the Word of God. That's when we'll bear good fruit because the source, the depth of that foundation is what's described in the beginning of Luke 6 and 43. The depth of the foundation, when the foundation reaches down, it hits what? The heart. The heart is the source, it's the root, it's the life. For it's not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, it's those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Even the law of grace in the New Testament, right? If we just would love. So here's an interesting question. Now let's look at this first part, the tree and its fruit, right? What is the focus of the fruit tree? Like if I'm a fruit tree and I want to grow fruit, what do I need to focus on? I need to get nourishment, right? I need the roots have to be strong. I have to get great. I'm not like an orchard person, but I have to get good, good oxygen through my leaves, right? Isn't that what happens? Okay, there's terms that like smart people would know at this point in time, but I didn't look them up because I didn't want to geek out on knowledge. But anyway, I was just sitting there thinking about the reality of the roots really are, it's all about the tree. A tree isn't sitting there consumed about its fruit. It's not infatuated with the, the fruit. It's not like, oh man, I have a good harvest of fruit this year. The tree is focused on building deeper, more secure infrastructure of roots becoming a stronger base. The fruit will come if the foundation is secure. And so I look at this and I go, man, how often do we focus on just the fruit? And we forget about the really it's the tree and the root that is the focus of this, right? We start judging the fruit as Jaden talked about. We equate bad fruit with bad trees, but I think in our world today what we more witness is spoiled fruit. And I want us to think about this for a few seconds. 
Because its origin is a good tree. It's just been removed from the tree for too long. Let's connect this. Um, this last week, we went to uh, Mason Lake with some friends and played in the water and stuff. And, and uh, I have two daughters here that are white. I have a, a white son, and now I have a black daughter. She, in the sun, just like absolutely gets dark. And uh, it's awesome. It's so cool looking. We're just like, like how, does, how does your skin do that? You know, so she's all about it. Tan line, she cannot show you, but it's amazing. So I'm just saying. Is, and so here's, the, here, here's us out there. We, we nourished off of one box of substance this week. Here's what Dana did. She was out shopping, and she found a, and called me. She had a 20-pound box of apricots. Anybody like apricots here? It's like my favorite fruit. I don't know why. I just, I love sour stuff or like a little bit better. Well, I love them dried, like not gooey like you would buy in a store, sugar-covered dried, but like dry, like I need to drink a gallon of water before I can eat one more dry. I love them hard dry, crunchy dry. Uh, we would dry those as kids, but so many of those. But uh, she bought a 20-pound, and we didn't have time to dry them, so we just packed the box and took it this week, Right? We were eating those suckers like, you know, three, four days. You know I drink a lot of coffee because I never got the, okay, TMI. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so we were, you know, if you eat too much fruit. Okay, yeah, yeah, enough said. But I was, I, I, was, I would chow, you know, three, four, maybe six or eight a day, right? And so we're just eating a lot of fruit. Sure enough, by Thursday, we finished off an entire box. 20-pound box of apricots. I couldn't believe it. And only during the course of that, only two that I'm aware of, apricots, went bad in that whole, like, box. So what did Dana do? She bought another box yesterday. It's part of this week. So we were just like, oh, man, we're going to be like vitamin seed up. Anytime now, the the negative circumstance is probably going to kick in. There's only so much liquid in vitamin C you can consume before you make liquid in vitamin C. So, uh, why do I not want to say the word diarrhea? I don't know. But anyway, I, I'm just looking at that going, this, this was a delicious box. But if just because in this box, those two apricots started to mold, did not mean that was a bad apricot tree. I can't all of a sudden judge the tree because the fruit went bad. It wasn't bad fruit. And it wasn't a bad tree. It was spoiled fruit. And I think what we're seeing in our world today is we come to church once or maybe twice a month and maybe we go two, three, four a week without reading our Bible. And one more like two or three or four days removed from the tree. Depending on the temperature of our world, we spoil. We start to get, we start to become a rotten Christian. And somebody looks at us, as Jaden talked about last week, and judges us as if 
our tree is bad. And they go, Christianity, I'm not into Christianity because they've been around spoiled fruit. They've been around people who haven't been near Jesus recently. And so they don't love like Jesus would love. They don't encourage people like Jesus encouraged people. They don't have grace like Jesus gave grace. They instead have knowledge, and it's puffed them up. Their foundation is gone. It's rotted out. It's been eaten by termites because they've been away from the source too long. The bad fruit spoken of in this passage is more like fruit that if you're walking through the woods and you just randomly see a bush and you're like, oh, look, yummy blueberries. Don't eat those, Katniss. You'll die. Anybody get that? Okay, anyway, so it's like, you know, Okay, so moving on, we're looking here at the reality of berries could kill you. The wrong berries in the woods can take you out. So you have to be careful. That's the bad fruit spoken of here. Not spoiled fruit, but the world we live in, in America, what we see is spoiled fruit. And we're like, Yeah, that Christianity. We see spoiled Christians. We see spoiled churches. That their goal is to live in judgment to the world. And, you know, it's not what the Bible's teaching us to do. So I think we need to, to look and see, well then, how do we fill ourselves up with good so that we would bring out from the depth of our heart, the overflow would be good fruit. How do we do this? Because when our heart is full, we can't help but overflow the love of Jesus on others. We can't help but overflow hope and peace and life. When people all of a sudden discover, you mean you don't only smile on Instagram, but you laugh and have fun even when things are kind of bad in the flood and the torrent? You'll laugh? Yeah, I mean, we can have a lot of, we had a lot of fun this week when our friend swam for five minutes with his iPhone in his pocket. And the main thing we were laughing at is the guys who make the how to dry your iPhone videos. Like, seriously, who are these people who decide to videotape themselves helping others? It's cool. I fixed a lot of things from YouTube. But there's some quality guys out there that like, I don't know, they have a lot of time on their hands, and it's humorous. So, so we were, you, you got to have, you, you should be able to laugh in the midst of a very, like, man, Jeff, our friend who swam with his iPhone, I just applaud his reaction, because I think I would have been a lot less. Well, Jaden said he might have some choice words if he dropped something heavy on his foot last week. I may have some vocabulary familiarity from a time past, maybe 20 years ago, that that may come right to the surface if I swam with my iPhone in my pocket. I'm just, I'm not sure I would have been as Jesus-like in that moment. But he did a great job. We laughed. We had fun. That's fruit of like a good heart because out of the overflow of his heart, he was bummed, but he had peace about it. I don't know. 
Bruce read a passage a couple weeks ago, and I want to read it in entirety. Uh, John 15, verse 1 through 8 says, I'm the true vine. This is Jesus' teaching, one of His final teachings. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me read that again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, Jesus is wanting us to bear fruit. And the teaching is all over Scripture that, man, if we would just do what we're reading, take up the challenges that we hear, if we would just be here to hear, if we would come, if we would hear and we'd put into practice, it's good medicine for the heart and out of the overflow of our life. See, that's one, like so many things go to this, like coming and hearing and practicing. Why do we have a connection card that on the back has application points that you can check to help practice the Word, not just hear it? We want to make it practical. I believe every portion of text we read as something we could try to put into practice this week. It should. That's the way we should read it is to find that. You know, that's why we have a handout so you can read those Scriptures and kind of discover, man, what am I supposed to apply from this? That's why we have a podcast if you miss a service so you can hear it. That's why we, we um, make things actionable. We make ourselves come down to an action point or else the message is really not worth preaching if we can't help discern the actionable moment. That's why even today we're going to start something. We're, we're, we're going to start a, after we have a response time kind of corporately and, and, and close with our, our offering and passing the buckets and stuff, and, and we dismiss you. We're going to have the opportunity. If you want prayer, you can come down. We'll have somebody down here to pray with you because maybe the actionable item for you is to actually you want to physically pray with somebody in agreement with you not just write the prayer request on your connection card. Maybe to receive Christ, you want to come up and, and have somebody pray with you physically. That's just how you're, you're face-to-face, eye-to-eye type of person. I mean, we're just, we're trying to do everything we can to help you practice the Word. So, where does this teaching lead us today? I broke it down to three points, but there's so many more than that. The first I think one of the things we need to learn how to do in our culture, and it's not easy, but we have to learn how to prioritize church. 
because it's become a thing of convenience, but I really think, I really think it's more than a, a matter of convenience to our life. We somehow separate ourselves out and, 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 and have not prioritized it maybe to the level that it should be to where, man, if I'm there, not only am I there for me, I'm there for others to encourage them, but I've got to somehow keep myself in the vine. I've got to keep myself in the tree. I've got to keep hearing so that I can practice. Hebrews 10.23 challenges us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I mean, we're supposed to be spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, spurring one another on to take action with our life, to take action from the words we're hearing, the challenges we're hearing. We're supposed to spur one another on. That's why we say people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Here or maybe in groups, we're encouraging one another and we're knowing the needs of each other and praying for one another, growing in the faith together, staying connected to the vine. Your firmness, and Spellcheck doesn't think it's a word, but your unshakability, that's a good word, right? I, just, I may have invented it, unshakability, that they're all rooted in the tree. And I think we need to prioritize staying in the vine stronger in our life so that we remain unshakable. Number two, being present is a challenge for a lot of us. Not just coming to learn or hear and, and, and attend and feel like, okay, I got the note sheet, but learning and finding the practice, right? This is being present. It's actually hearing and listening and consuming and receiving the nourishment from what we're hearing. I'm not the best listener. I have to do things to help myself listen. I, I just confess my weakness. One-on-one uh, -on -one meetings, if I'm in counseling, if I'm doing any of that, I'm like, taking notes and, and stuff to help me listen. Because I'm like, oh, look, brown paint. Oh, neat, a fly. You know, that's just me. And so I have to really discipline myself to be a good listener, right? And maybe some of you are that way. Oh, look, it's sunny. No, anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, it's just that's the way, I, you know, some, some of us, we need a discipline to help us listen. But we have to somehow figure that out. What steps do we need to take to help ourselves literally be present when we come, instead of like checking the score, thinking about the meeting the boss called at one o'clock tomorrow, and you're going, oh man, am I going to get fired? Am I going to get, you know, and we're worried and our mind's on, oh, what's my treatment this week? Or, or how do I, you know, oh man, I wonder if I'm going to find the dog, or oh, I don't know if this divorce is going to, how it's going to affect the kids, and we come and we can't even find the peace to learn and practice something additional which helps our heart and our foundation make it through the torrent. Because the torrent's going to come. Will we be shaken? We somehow have to come ready to actually be present. We took Jaden, our youngest daughter, 
the one who's not the same color as the rest of us. Anyway, so we took Jaden to uh, uh, celebrate her seventh birthday dinner at Red Robin. So she wanted to go to Red Robin. So we went to Red Robin, and we're, we're having dinner, and, and uh, Dana whispers to me, that guy has been on his phone the whole time. So we'd been there about 20 minutes when she said that. And, and I kind of do the, you know, <gasps> to where I'm not just staring at him, you know. And sure enough, this dude is like, like stock market or something. Like he's into it. He's into his phone. And he's got his two daughters there across the table from him. And so now I was kind of like <sighs> looking out of the corner of my eye, looking again. Sure, he, he doesn't ever look up until they came to sing happy birthday to his four-year-old daughter. Never looked up and engaged in conversation. I think in our society today, we have a problem with being present. Like, we may be in the room physically, but we've got to learn how to be present. It's going to be more and more of a challenge as things go faster and faster in society. As your glasses have a computer on them. Boop. Right? I just think we got to figure out how to be present. Final, final thought. We need to practice what we preach. It's kind of a great thing to, to say to somebody, hey, you should practice what you preach. But we need to practice what we preach. We need to listen and be present to take it in so that we can practice what we preach. And what we're preaching is the gospel, Jesus, the Word, His challenges. He showed us here how to live a deeper life that's more firm. No matter what comes against us, we can stand firm. If we would just put into practice what He's challenging us to do. We don't share stories to impress, but relate. Worship team, you can come up and exemplify. We want to relate and exemplify what can be done through the faith. We want you to see the actionable Word of God is still fully functional and amazing when applied to life today. We can practice the Word of God and live a life more abundantly. And so we want to hear your stories. I don't know how you want to share it. Maybe you want to send an email or whatever. But when we're putting the Word into practice, when we're putting a challenge into practice, I think it's positive that we would hear the stories of, hey, I actually was present listening to a conversation this week, and it, it made a relationship go deeper. Like, that's how actionable this is. Just maybe, maybe all of today in this entire teaching in Jesus' day that Luke rewrote and communicated to us so that we could study today is so that you could actually hear a conversation this week. Maybe something bad is going to happen to one of your friends and all you need to do is be present and listen, not share your knowledge or advice, but just be there in love. And all of a sudden, comfort's going to come out of the Word of God. What is it? 
I'm going to pray for you, and Jamie's going to lead a song. And then since it's the Thad show today, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to close out the service, take an offering. And uh, um, now we'll give opportunity for those who want prayer over here. But I just, I just want you individually right now to sit there and look at those responses on the back of your connection card and say, what am I to do today? Maybe today you need to start a relationship with Jesus. You're like, this life of peace sounds great. How do I get that? It starts by embracing the love God sent through his son, Jesus. He's a passionate God for us, that he so loved us that he gave us Jesus, who gave his life for us. That's incredible. Embracing that's a first step. But then we need to learn how to hear. We need to learn how to be present. We need to reprioritize our life so that we never remove ourselves from the tree because we don't want to be spoiled fruit in a world that needs the real deal more than ever. God, I thank you for the opportunity you give us to open your word and learn from it. I should pray that, Lord, we would be those that would not just receive it in knowledge, but but find how we could practice it in our life this week. How can we put into practice the Word of God so that others around us would experience the truths of love found in Scripture out of the overflow of our heart? Maybe we'll be speaking encouragement or maybe we'll be living it out. For those who have yet to respond and invite Jesus into their life, I pray that they would do that. They would simply say, Jesus, I want to follow you as Lord. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to exit here today free and clean and all the things we've read about. I want this hope. Lord, just give them that right now. Whatever their response is, I pray you would make it very evident as Jamie leads us in this song. In your name we pray. Amen.